I'll be too nervous to. I'll probably lost the words. Hello and welcome to another edition of the Lost Words podcast. I'm joined as ever by my wonderful co-host Jason. Jason, hello. Good evening, Tom. How are you? I'm good. I thought I'd give you a different introduction this week, just as I added the word "wonderful" in there. Did you uh, Did you pick up on that? Or yeah, I, I, you know, my my um, my beacon is shining at this moment now. That's it. Yeah. And uh, my other co-host is my other co-host every week as well, and it's Skylar Hoke. Skylar, hello. Tom, Jason, how are we doing, fellas? Good evening, mate. Good, we're good. Glad. All the better for you coming on as well. Um, We're hoping we're going to ride your coattails this week after two weeks of winners in uh, John Catlin and Garrett Higo. Or is is it Higo or is it Higo, Jason? Uh, I'm not South African, mate, but I think they were called they were calling him Higo, weren't they, on the telly? But but I was wondering yesterday, and I was was sitting there and and I made my uh, suffering fiance watch the golf with me, and, and. and I said to her, I said, like, I don't know they're just saying Higo to try and spice it up just because it says Higo and they don't think that sounds very exotic. Because I can't, it's just it's just spelled Higo. I can't see it being anything other than Higo. I just, okay, I you, uh, do you remember it took us three months to learn how to pronounce Bezindahut? That's true. And that's wrong. And that's wrong, so it doesn't matter. Yeah, and also we've got Van Meow as well, haven't we? So, uh, yeah, we should we should probably move on from pronunciation. Sky, I'll let you do that later on YouTube. You can do it. You can do it on video. Yes, fantastic. Um, but it, you know, just to recap last week, obviously it was an incredible performance. Jason, you've always been a, a fan of Garrick, uh, Mr. H, and uh, and Sky, you were on him last week. Um, it's it's a ridiculous run he's been on, isn't it, as a 21 year old Jason to uh, to get as many wins as he has done across several tours he's only been a pro for two years hasn't he yeah yeah what can you do he's come up from the big easy tour all the way through won his own tour championship and now won twice on this tour and that was that was to be honest it was he said he didn't play well in round three and i didn't think he particularly played well and i was a 63 on the card and i said it in the in the life 54 whole thing yeah um you know it was a 63 that could have been so much better than that and, and you know yeah it was it was I think the problem is I was annoyed that we weren't on. It was it was a toss of a coin between him and yeah, Sky's every week bet. Um, uh, what's he called? <laughs> Guido. Mr. McGlitty. Um, yeah, Mr. McGlitty. Oh God, we got to pronounce all these names, don't we? Can't we have some British players on? Um, and uh, it was a toss of a coin. I was I was quite annoyed of it, and so I picked up on that to to try and oppose him on Sunday. But when you think about it, I mean, it was just it was shelling peas for him, wasn't it, on Sunday? To be honest. It, you know, it was it it wasn't difficult. I mean, okay, he had I think he had one, maybe two, slightly fortunate um, putts or whatever. But it was it was never getting caught. And when you got Max Kiefer chasing you, I mean, all fair play, Kiefer's playing brilliant golf. Um, but you know, when he hits the front, he's gonna he's gonna stop. And they never got to him. Horsefield couldn't putt enough, and you know, there we are. Ollison couldn't handle it. Um, obviously, Connor's uh, unfortunate eight. And yes. there we are. They, they finished as they are, but but Higo was the best player on the park, and uh, job done. Sky, what was it that really stood out for you to to go with Gary Higo? Apart from obviously the, the you know the number and, and the potential that he has, what was the one thing that really attracted you into that sort of test? So I, I can think about the the Sunday the week before. I mean, if you look at those scores, he he progressed each and every round. But that Sunday, uh, you know, when Catlin took it deep and played in the playoff, obviously to win. 
Higo was was birdieing and putting himself into chances on some of the most difficult holes. Um, and, you know, it just felt like his game was right there. He made a little social media post saying good to feel in contention again. And then you just kind of put some of the, you know, correlation stuff in there with the designer, you know, where he won at Gary Player Country Club, even though the course wasn't all that that similar and all be all. But I just think, too, you know, the kid is a, a world class, you know, talent coming up and to get the numbers at a chance where he can just really let it go with the driver. You know, it just kind of felt right. And I was happy with his progression that obviously kept going. Absolutely, yeah. I think that's a very fair assessment, Jason. We, we've just been talking off air. We, we're kind of expecting virtually not the same test, but a very similar test to last week in the in Tenerife this week. Yeah, I mean, look, it's this is a this is a gimme course for um, tourists, isn't it? Really? Hmm. Um, yes. What six six thousand eight hundred and fifty yards, something like that. Um, it's now five par five, six par threes, and seven par fours, isn't it? Yeah. Um, which is quite interesting. Um, par fives are going to be destroyed, especially downwind. Absolutely going to be killed by these players. Um, you, you're going to have a, a prop. I mean, you, you know, you miss the fairways here too many times. I mean, you are got serious problems with your driving. Um, so that's not going to happen. Um, obviously, they've lengthened that eighth, I think, with 500 and something yards. But if the wind blows in the right direction, you, you, you've really got no problems. There's huge greens. Um, there is an, I mean, you know, I've taken a slight angle in trying to look at, um, you know, the leaderboards of par threes and par five performance. Yeah, yeah, but yeah. but do, do we really need, I mean, I'm not sure whether you need to do it because I think some, you know, three of those par fives at least are going to be playing, you know, four, eight yard, four, seven yard par four. So uh, this is this is going to be proximity to the pin and who can handle the greens. And, and you're going to have to go in with confidence, I think, from I... the last week or the last two weeks and see what happens. I put more stock, and I don't know if you did, in the par three performance because I think that's going to be mm-hmm. the differentiator. And I, and because, like you say, I think all of the guys are going to be able to get at the par fives and go low. Uh, I think it was, I think I read that Paul McGinley was 21 under on the long holes back in 2003 or whatever it was they've last played the course. And uh, yeah, I just, I just think that looking at the, you know, six par threes is pretty unusual. Um, you know they're not the easiest to score at the best of times, and then you've got to try and make birdies on those, as you do all, all the way around on this golf course. And and for me, that that kind of led me to to one pick that we'll come on to later on. But Sky, did you give any any thoughts into par threes and par five performances when you're looking at this golf course? Yeah, I mean it, it seemed to be an ancillary type of you know addition to me. I, I just again from the broader overview without having too much to know at the scores. Of course, you get what could have been six par fives, now five of them. Um, But even so, that par four is going to require distance off the tee. So I just kind of looped distance and par five together. And with the par three, you know, I I mainly, instead of look at par three scoring, look at the best approach players. So a simple of strong approach with distance and par five scoring was kind of a little bit of qualifying for me. Um, just from that standpoint, and it, it leaves it pretty open, but there's some guys that, you know, again, if you're, if you're long off the tee and you're good with the, the approach, you're probably one of the better players on tour. Yeah, no, I completely understand that. And I think, I think that's the thing is that, you know, we, we could get caught up in the par three scoring and something I don't want to do too much, but you know, if you're hitting your irons well, you should be playing par three as well. And I think that's kind of pretty well summed up there. Let's look at the the head of the market then, and uh, Antoine Rosner comes in at favourite again, Jason at sixteen to one. 
Uh, Matthias Schwab is still there at 16s and 18s. <laughs> I don't really have much else to say about that. Uh, Garrick Higo, last week's winner, is 20 to 1, best price. Joost Lauten, 25 to 1, which seems to be a price that we're stuck on. Joachim B. Hansen is 28, although he does seem to be disappearing in other places and he's pulled out. And Justin Hard in 30s. You know, was there any interest in those, Jason? It's the same. It's the same mob, isn't it? Hmm. It's the same. It's the, it's the same mob as last week. Obviously, JB, who I quite fancied a little bit, and did I did back on Betfair, I think at around 70, um, and managed to trade him um, yeah, during the weekend. So that that was pretty decent. But uh, apart from him, you've got the same mob. Look, Rosner's a quality player. He's got the you know he's got Qatar form, as we know. He's got the wind form, and, and Guido needs his revenge on him. Um, mm-hmm. Schwab, Schwab, do what you want. I mean, I, I, I just can't have him at these prices. You know, he, he, he's going to get over the line one day, but the amount of three foot and four footers he misses is just, it's just shocking. He does it every single week. Here you go. You know, I, I certainly wouldn't rule out a, um, a repeat performance. Um, he's got literally the same conditions. His irons were fantastic last week. He was patting great. Luton's Luton, isn't he? He's going to hit. You know, he's going to go 800 and then get go back to five and then go to 16 and then go back to 12. Um, and there we are, you know. So, really, out of them, if you yeah, Rosner and Higo, I think, are easily um, the most appealing out of those. But I, I can leave them alone, but I, I'd be keeping an eye out for where, where they are in running because uh, they're quality and, and you know, they're, they're low scorers, aren't they? So, you know, what can you do? Yeah, absolutely. Sky, any thoughts on those at all in, in the top of the market as well? I, I mean, we talk week in and week out, you know, and it just doesn't seem to be a place where I really start my card, you know, relatively ever on the European tour, maybe 25s to 28s if I'm really confident in somebody. Um, so it's just people that I'm not at the end of the day, you know, when these type of field strengths, although these are some of these strongest players and have bright futures, you know, with Rosner and Higo, I think, you know, right up there again, it's, it still leaves a strength of field where the, the middle of the pack don't seem to be all that less likely to win. Um, and I think that's why we, we generally see, you know, on the European tour, some of this variance uh, week in and week out. So um, would I be shocked to see Higo t- take it deep once again? No, his game is in such good form. Um, he would be probably my pick of the litter too up here. Yeah, I mean, like you say, I think I think there's just so many players that make um, appeal around the 33s, 50s, 66s even prices that I just don't feel like you need to go here. They they have to win at that, that those prices to really make any appeal, and and you know you can get a bigger price place from you know a long shot. So that's kind of the, the theory I have on that. The first person that really caught my eye, Jason, and I and you know you spoke. Uh, while off air about he didn't really cope with the, the final round but I thought Thorbjorn Olison was interesting because he's obviously not played a lot of golf as, as we know there's other things going on and uh, but I just thought the two starts that he's made in recent months uh, a 13th and a 5th uh, including a 61 last week if there's you're talking about class in the field he's probably still the classiest player in terms of wins and, and the performances on the biggest stage isn't he? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, you know, the more it blows, the better the better he is. You know, he loves it. Um, loves the desert. Um, yeah, he loves everything. I mean, you know, you've got you've got stuff hanging over him, which I don't think anybody really mentions anymore. But we have to if you're a, you're sort of a, a part time journalist, you always like to throw it in, don't you? Hmm. Um, no idea if it affects him at all. 
Um, I, I wasn't impressed with the third round. It put him back an awful long way, didn't it? There were, there were quite a few. I think, was it only Garrick Higo of the top? I can't remember what I wrote. Um, Garrick Higo was the only one of the top six pairings um, to actually move forward. You know, everybody else was moving backwards. And look, it's not a concern, but, but when that happens on an easy course, you do you do start worrying, especially when they come back late on, on round four. You can read it either way, can't you? I mean, we read it that, you know, they're out of the tournament, so therefore they're relaxed and they put a better performance in. Um, yeah, you know, he's, he's quality. The wind blows. He's good. 13th and 5th is trending in the right direction. Do I see him winning? Honestly, no, I don't. Um, he's just as likely to finish sort of 40th as he is 3rd. So he's not for me, but I, I get your I get your opinion. Uh, the, the thing that I thought was kind of he's had such limited reps that, you know, we always see it's so difficult to follow up a 60 or 61, 62, whatever. You always struggle to see that, and, and he did shoot a 70. And then you look at the person he tied with in, in fifth, in kind of sign, we backed up his 61 or 62. So it can be done. Um, so there is obviously a bit of a rust element there. But Sky, I just look at it, is, you know, you just, as we do, we go on the OWGR site and you just look and his his results, you don't see anything worse than tied ninth in his best performances. And that tied ninth was in the Open Championship. So it's just littered with, you know, five victories on European Tour, seconds everywhere much bigger events um i think that if he's gonna get it right he you know maybe he needs to do it in this sort of class before he goes back onto the biggest stage because there is obviously ultimately that thing over hanging over him and i just wonder if he, if he feels like he needs to take advantage of that before anything sort of judgment comes further yeah it, it does seem like a matter of of time of, of when not if um with how good of a golfer he he really is these type of courses should fit what he was really really good at um i did see recently what his wife had a child as well they had a child so um you know maybe just a different light he's into right now um but yeah just a quality golfer yeah i think i think he's someone that's very tempting at the price and and for me i kind of i kind of expected a reaction in his price because he's been out i think it was he 66 to 1 last week maybe 50s um so I did expect him to shorten up, and I just thought the 33s were still decent enough. Um, Jason, is there anyone in this sort of area that you're interested in? Um, what, in the 33 area? Yeah, 33, 40s in that area. Yeah, very, yeah, very much so. Go on, um, I think I think you you have to, if you were on Guido last week, for me, you... you I mean, I know he's shortening, and, and Skylar wants 150 to 1 every week, right? <laughs> but he can't have it. Um, so for me, yeah, I, I think uh, 33 to 1. Um, first seven. Um, There's not really much to add for last week. Obviously, we know he can play in the wind. Um, we know what happened in Qatar. I mean, Qatar, he was off. He was second off the tee, um, second tee to green, second overall at Kenya. You know, again, we can we can say not not only is it current, but it is, it's a similar type of attacking course. First in off the tee, eighth at tee to green, twelfth overall, and in Amman. Um, he was second off the tee, uh, okay, 30th tee to green, which is fine, and fourth overall. Um, he couldn't putt a thing last week, um, certainly on the Sunday. I mean, yes, yeah, I was on him overnight. Um, couldn't, could, just couldn't putt. I think there were two of the days he was well outside the top 80, top 90, maybe in the hundreds um, on putting. Um, so he's given himself chances. I know people hate it when I say that. I do sort of put these players in groups. I know you don't like it. But Guido, Higo, they're, they're two of the 
the youngsters that we've mentioned that we expect to see absolutely top of the class, you know, in a year's time or something like that. Um, he was second in par three scoring at uh, Grand Canaria last week. Um, isn't going to do him any harm here. Slightly concerned, I must be honest, about his par five efforts. But given his ability with an iron, um, as we've discussed, you know, we think they're going to be taking what, seven irons, second shots into, into the par fives. Um, you know, so I'm not particularly worried about him having to take anything particularly long. Um, like Spain, got second on the Alps Tour, obviously six at Valderrama, which, again, weirdly, just like the um, SA Open, for example, or the Gary Player course um, last week, was really weird that that, that fitted in. Um, and obviously, he still managed to get top 15 last week, even though he, he couldn't do a thing. I mean, you look, look at his stats last week. They're, you know, they're pretty out. Um, but he still, he still found six, um, six shots with his approaches. You know, six and a half shots tee to green. If he plays this course like he can play, like he played Qatar or something, yeah, he can shoot 30 under, 28, 30 under. Um, will he be inspired by Higo? I, I don't know, but I've, I've got a feeling for some reason he will be. Um, so, yeah, take your revenge on Rosner and do him with a 60-foot putt on the uh, 72nd. Sounds good to me. Sky, I feel like you're going to echo this. I don't even need, think I need to ask that you're going to be on him. I feel like you are on him. Um, so I imagine you echo a lot of what Jason just said. Yeah, I mean, I enjoy Jason just making the points for me. I mean, <laughs> it, it's it's honestly, though, at least one round a week, you know, Guido is the best in the field, you know, and it, it's, you know, if not best, top top three, top five in the field. And he, he did that on Friday and Saturday. And, and if he strings it together for four rounds, I mean, he, he can do what Higo did last week, you know, cruise. To, to win and that, I don't think that can be said about many but actually you know we've said it in the past but it, it reminds me of what Bob McIntyre kind of did before he found his consistency too where you know he will be you know a 63 a 64 at one day in the tournament um, and Guido was exceptional ball striking on Friday and Saturday um, obviously didn't play in Austria so that maybe that first round back after a mini break got the rust off, then played well. And then to your point, Sunday, you just couldn't, couldn't find anything. Didn't have a bogey, you know, one under, which obviously isn't near good enough of what you need to do there or this week. But uh, yeah, I mean, he opened at forties at Unibet and on DraftKings sports here, um, sports book here in the States. And that just seemed mind blowing to me. I didn't think there was a chance we'd see that number. It keeps getting shorter without a win. Obviously we've got that place mm. uh, recently, but um, yeah, I'm, I'm absolutely am. Yeah, I, just, I agree with a lot of that. And I think that, Jason, the point you make about... but It's very equally split, I think, in terms of people either think the inspiration thing is nonsense or people think it's absolutely a, a pointer. And at the end of the day, Guido's 24 years of age. He was, when he first came on the scene and won a couple of times, he was considered one of the next best young players. And, and now all of a sudden there's a 21-year-old doing it. So I think every now and then you, you like to put in a performance that kind of reminds everyone that you're there and who you are and... And I think that's just simply the, the sort of logic that goes to that. And and like Sky said, he, he seems to have a round every week where he just completely strings it together. And that's why he's consistently finishing in decent positions. Um, okay, he opened up slowly on a course where you, you basically can't afford to do that. You can't bounce back from such a, a poor, not even a poor round, but just such a disappointing round, if you like, in, in a, a low-scoring affair. Um, you know, we saw Connor Simey shoot over around 71 that basically killed his chances. To, you know, shoot 61, 62 to even give himself a chance. So, it's you just can't afford to have any numbers in the black on 
on that week and and unfortunately he did and I suppose that's that's all it is we're just hoping that he can string the putts together for four rounds Jason yeah I think interestingly enough is is you know you look at it and in his last eight um his last eight starts he's only broken 70 once in his opening round yeah I mean you know we saw it at Qatar he stormed through the field you know um Qatar you know Kenya obviously again second round third round he, he did well uh, Saudi again he came from behind after a bad third round um he's starting really really slowly for whatever reason no no idea what his preparation is for tournaments or whatever but it just seems to be a trend um and you can really see that it you know should he start and get himself a position in the top 15 or something like that um be really interesting to see how he, how he performs yeah you know he, he's put he's top 10 in blinking everything that involves his irons and that's what this week's going to be about. It, 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 like I say, I, I can just see it exactly the same as what happened last week. It's just going to be, well, it could be the same player, but it could be, but just with a different player. Um, somebody is just going to keep banging them into five, six feet um, and knocking them in. And, and it's just going to get, it, it, like, it'll get boring unless you've got money on the winner. <laughs> Let's put it like that. Yeah, I think I think the hope is, like you're saying there, is that we, all three of us, consensus picked, would would suggest that if he gets himself in the position from the start, he can cruise along like Higo did. It's, it's a matter of getting going, isn't it? And and if that happens, Sky, then I'm sure you'll be very comfortable going into Saturday and Sunday with him in and around the lead. Yeah, and, and to Jason's article on, on Saturday night, you know, that the, the field played poorly enough that he was in the mix, that it almost became the expectation that you were going to see Guido fighting for it on Sunday because he just kind of has that knack went around the top of the leaderboard. So, yeah, excited for him again. John Catlin's here at 40-1 to 1 because I think we, we kind of accept the fact that it's, uh, it's not really his wheelhouse having to make so many birdies, having to make so many putts resort-style courses. But, Jason, is that a little bit disrespectful considering the form that you've been yeah, in? I think it's hugely disrespectful. And, again, it's, it's that... It's that worry. I mean, it, there's so many here that are just awesome iron players. Yeah. You know, we'll, 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 you know, we've talked about some already. You talk about those at the top, Schwab, Kiefer, brilliant iron players. But, but you know, I'm sure we all feel that they, you know, they'll let you down over the crucial putt. Um, Catlin's really, really weird. We know what he wants. We know he wants it hard, and yet he's top 25 in par three performances. He's top 20 in uh, par five performances. Around the green, we know he's fantastic. We know he's a fantastic putter. So uh, in my head, I'm trying to work out logically how a man who is that good with all these performances, admittedly most on more difficult courses, um, and who really is going to save shots should, should he go off the green, and who putts fantastically, is not fancied to win an event that will depend on iron play and putting. Yes. Yeah. I, I can't compute it. In my head, he has to be backed. Um, and yet, on the other side, I'm like, yeah, but we know he wants something that's one in eight, nine, ten, twelve under. Well, I so think... I, I'm, I'm really confused, but it's a it's a huge price for a two-time winner, a uh, three-time winner um, in, as you say, 14 starts. He was up there at halfway um, over the weekend before, you know, you put it into horse race, but he was outpaced probably. Um, but I, I, it's so tempting, Tom, to be honest with you, you know. There we are. I suppose when you just look at and and Sky, I'll let you chime in on this as well because obviously you're someone that's picked him and picked him when he's won. It's what he did last week. 
you know, with consecutive 67s, generally speaking, on a, on a regular event would be, you know, really useful. And I think that it's just that that's kind of, he doesn't strike me as someone that takes it really deep when he needs to. And and I don't know if that's just because he just likes, you know, when it gets tough and that's his differentiator as he hits it straight, he can be relied on, he's going to get up and down as opposed to he has all the tools to really go eight, nine under in a day. Yeah, there's three golfers, and I guess one of them doesn't really have a sample size, so you could pretty much say two golfers who are top 90 percentile, so top 10%, you know, in this field of, of par threes and par fives over the last year, 10 tournaments and five tournaments. So in each of those segments, John Catlin is one of those two golfers. Um, and I'm sitting here, yeah, with him not on my card either, and would I be, you know shocked if he was to win again no um but for some reason there's there's the other guys calling my name obviously guido is and you know i have another ball striker in this range too so i am passing on catlin too um but yeah it's just more of a fact of we're reading into the type of course we see him best fit um so is, is that getting too into the weeds potentially um but you know, just uh, you know, just such, such a good golfer. I'm excited for Catlin to keep it up, and, and obviously get into majors here soon. Yeah, absolutely. There's one guy around here that he's going to be too short for me uh, after letting me down in different circumstances recently. But Jeff Windsor played really well last week um, for for a lot of it, um, and it's it seems to me that he's going to be a consistent feature for a lot of this kind of. I think during this kind of down season where there's not so many fans about and things like that, you know, third, 28th, 14th, 33rd, 27th, he's very consistent, but he just seems to have one blow up round, Jason. He didn't have it last week. Um, he shot 62, 64 every weekend to sort of motor forward as opposed to what he'd done when uh, when I backed him. But it, I just I just think he's playing so well that, and if he's going to be playing the similar sort of course to last week, is he a reasonable price? Not for, not for me. He's not. He's not for me, mate. Um, no, I mean, but, but I mean, it's, no, I, it's just I the mean, profile of that type of player. Yeah, look, he, he's playing well, and and I think you put him up. Where did you put him up? Austria or somewhere was it? You put him no, up for something it was before I that. I think it was in. Uh, I, was, I can't remember where it was. Look, he's it was playing well. Easy. He's playing well. I mean, the issue I have, and I, I I know that you know you can't you you can't necessarily stick to something like Qatar this. was where I put him up when he shot a seventy-seven. But, okay, I mean, it what this was bit, bit wasn't published. But Kiefer, Winter, um, I can't remember who it was, Pavon, and uh, I can't remember who it was. I had, I had four players in the article, five players in the article, who won one tournament between them in 667 <laughs> tries. And every single one has had a chance. Yeah. yeah. Uh, um, and therefore, for me, I, and I, I understand that he's playing well, and I, you know, I get all that. But when you stick him, if you like, at the same price, or virtually the same price, as somebody like Catlin, yeah, um, I, and I appreciate that you know different courses are required, but when you put him as somebody like that, and, and you put him in front of players that I think have the ability to win, um, I, I, I don't think he's shown that I would be ever be confident that he was going to win if he was given the, the position. Then he, he just, for me, no, um, it's, it's no. I mean, you've got. Adrian now, so I know he's playing rubbish, right? I know we haven't got to him yet, 
right? He's 20, 20, 21 points bigger. Yeah. That's it. I'm finished, mate. Well, his, his skill set on our would suggest that something like this eventually is going to just strike him. And, it's a price and, thing. Yeah. You, sorry, sorry, Tom. If you want to say to me, yeah, you know, I really fancy Jeff Winter. He's 80 to 1. He's playing well or something like that. Um, then, yeah, fair enough. But surrounded with the likes of, um, you know, Romain Lungask and, and people like that, and as I say, Catlin, and, and you know, you could pick up Naughty as well. He's the same sort of player, but at least he's one. Yeah. Um, he's, he's just, I would have no interest at that price, to be I th- honest. I think the thing with Winter is that, like, he's, he's won as a professional, but it was when he first turned pro and it was a Nordic Golf League. And if it was yeah. a case of he was coming on the European Tour now with that record a couple of years later, you'd give him more of a a pass wouldn't you but when he's 33 years of age and hasn't kicked on from what he did he's kind of peaked at the age of kind of what is it 23 or 22 it's it's kind of worrying isn't it it's not like someone that's made a progressive Alps tour challenge tour European tour victories and gone on he's kind of stuttered a little bit and that's that's like you say he was I think he was 70 to 1 or 80 to 1 I put him up in Qatar and that's kind of makes sense but 45 to 1 I've just got a note next to him just to say price too short but it was I just thought he was worth mentioning considering the form that he is in. I think he's making an awful lot of money and good luck to him, right? And, and you know, fair play and he'll rack up top tens in these sort of, you know, medium quality European events. Um, and that's 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 it, really. I, I, you know, I've got I've just got no interest in that price. Sky, give us one of your countrymen as your, your next pick. Yep. And that's where it goes after we talked with, um, well, I have a pair of them, actually, um, that we'll go with. Because the other golfer who checked the boxes in par three and par five scoring as well is, you know, longer off the tee. And it's great with the irons. And shockingly, coming off of back-to-back missed cuts, um, you know, for a golfer who, Drove some interest, um, you know, last week. And then, you know, in Kenya, his first tournament there was exceptional. And, um, you know, I'm not scared to go back to Johannes Veerman, you know, at the 50s, 55s that were out there. Um, you know, overall, he just, again, I think we brought this up a handful of times. Um, you know, if you think back to the Cypress showdown, that technically, you know, should have been, in a sense, Veerman's first career victory because he shot the aggregate low four hole score, you know, over that time, you know, this is the first time he has missed back to back cuts in a row since 2019. Um, but you know, it's not like his ball striking was really all that out of whack. Um, and I just think overall, he still, he still puts up birdies, you know, both long and short term. I just think he can, you know, really get himself in the mix and, and take it deep like he did, you know, kind of in Kenya to open up until that final round where he stalled out. Yeah, and I think, as we sort of said last week, Jason, as well, that that, that Cypress course is probably not a bad sort of comparison for this. It's just a typical resort, scorable course that he's obviously shown his ability on. Um, and he wouldn't be surprised if he'd done it again here. No, I've got Veerman written down as a possible as well. Yeah, he's long. I mean, what do you want? He can play wings, got tied eighth in Portugal. That, that, do you know, it really annoys me when they do this so they played well obviously cyprus cyprus now i know it was a different tournament in effect but he played well he came on really well from his first outing um and i, I was looking at him because i wanted him to play sort of midfield this week and then i was going to be on next week um where obviously this repeats again um 
but he's buggered it up by missing the cut of Kenya on his second <laughs> run. So that that's completely ruined it. But yeah, I've got I've got Veerman down, and and as a as possible, I'm not decided yet, and probably also um, I'd imagine that um, Skyler looks at somebody else not that far away in the market to him, who also is another fantastic iron player. So Sky, Sky, give us a name. Yeah, yeah, I think it's you know this is interesting. So so Sam Horsfield did uh, a Q and A on his flight over from Europe to the States today. And someone asked him like, who's the best ball striker on tour? And this is not the first time I think we've heard it and others have talked about it. And the stats reflect it too. Is Sean Crocker is, is unbelievable, you know, from the sense of, of getting to the green, you know, he's, he's great off the tee. You know, he's really, really good with the irons. It's, to the Guido fashion, one of these weeks, if it all clicks together, he can run away with an event. And does he seem to be somebody that potentially, you know, has maybe a Connor Seam Sunday in him every once in a while when he sniffs contention? We saw that in South Africa when he, what, he had a quadruple or a triple bogey on a par five late in that round, which really got him out of contention. Um, you know, he also just doesn't seem, um, you know, maybe potentially more of a harder track, you know, golfer where, what was that in Spain when Campillo won that, that Crocker was there through 54 holes, but that game should be set up for this resort style, put it to eight feet and hopefully, you you know, you make more than you miss. And next thing you know, you're 25 under after four days, He, he could absolutely do that. So I think I'm, I'm willing to risk it here more than last week as he continues just to keep doing it with the irons. So I think the I think the point that you made there, which is interesting, is that we sometimes see I am really good ball strikers as people that come to the fore in difficult golf courses because they're the ones that can hold the greens, the ones that are going to hit the pins, um, you know, keep to the right side of the hole and and really place their irons well, and not get themselves into trouble. And yet also when you think about making a ton of birdies, you have to put the ball close to the hole, so you would still need to go for those top ball strikers. For me, uh, Sky, it would just be that I think. A tougher golf course would suit him back at not and not as so much like a Valderrama or anything like that, but I think a like a Qatar or something like that where the scoring can differentiate. There's a bit of wind that can affect it. That's the only concern for me is because the putting is his weakness, and he doesn't strike me as someone that can get really streaky with it either. And he was when when doing just kind of the, I just like to do it, and, and not that it's you know backed up by any science, but just look at key statistics and if you know we said par five like i mentioned in the top par five scoring distance and approach who are the top you know top echelon of the field over a short time period you know kind of a middle time period five ten and then the long term and and sean crocker is literally the only golfer that backs it up in each of those windows of time veerman hits both of the short-term windows five and ten tournaments but the longer you stretch it out, you know, Crocker and Higo are the main two guys that do it, you know, over the last year. Um, but then, you know, even as you crunch time, but it, it, it is just almost a little bit demoralizing. And I'm sure it is for him too to look at his finishes week in and week out and to know that, you know, he's been inside the top 12 like once in his past 20 events, yeah. despite striping it every single week. Um, so the more I talk this out, should have I just really thought more and, and took 10 points less to bet someone who's won three times in the last 14 events? Maybe that would have been 
a better way to go about it, but it just feels so uh, so right with the the statistics for the way I'm anticipating this course playing out. I, th- I think he's going to win, and he's going to win at a decent price because of the fact that he can't he can't seem to put a fifth, sixth, fourth, second run together to kind of telegraph the win, Jason. He's kind of sporadic because that putter lets him down, and people can very quickly go off him, despite the fact that ultimately his irons and driver tend to hold up most weeks, and that's what you need to rely on. Yeah, they're back, they're, like they're, they are. They're similar players, aren't they? I mean, we see so many of it, don't we? Just so much of it, where, where the iron play is just good, you know, better than good. And whatever, they just let themselves... They, they can't keep up with the you know, with the proper putters, with the decent putters, you know, and that, that again, that's, that's an issue, isn't it? You know, if every single person is going to be hitting, what, 85, 90% of these greens, anybody in the top 10 is going to be hitting, hitting that sort of figure this week. Um, you, you're going to be struggling if you can't putt. I mean, that second at the Alfred Dunhill, you know, he was better than field average on the final day. And yet it seemed, it's a bit like uh, sort of kind of Syme over the weekend. It's like everybody remembers that one hole, don't they? Yeah. And everybody remembers Crocker just bombing it left um, off the fairway, and he just couldn't believe it, could he? Um, I don't think anybody could believe it, to be honest, what he was doing. He still ended up, you know, better than field average. Um, exactly the same as, as, as Connor Simon. Everybody remembers the eight. But he's played awesome, you know, the rest of the week. Um, yeah, look, you can certainly see Crocker, him and there, no problem at all. They're going to be sticking it in close and... Like I said earlier, this is who is gonna, who is just gonna knock that extra twenty-five footer in. Um, we'll see. But I, can't, I, I won't complain. Yeah, I think they've both got great chances. Jason Connor Seems name can't there a couple of times. Um, <laughs> you spoke, you spoke um, last week about how it was basically ridiculous that he was double the price of Callum Hill. Um, he's double the price of Callum Hill again this week, um, despite the fact that he finished fifth last week. I know he had that kind of mini meltdown but I thought he responded to it pretty well mm. Callum Hill ranks second in par 3 performance I think he's 30 something in par 5 so he's very strong um, but Connor Seam plays a par 5 as well, drives the ball well um, I think it's a matter of time before he does get over the line and we've obviously seen him do it on the challenge tour I just, and you'll know that more than the most is he is he still a decent price this week? I mean I think 66 is wrong um, I admit, I'm, I'm again, you know, I'm not. His accuracy will it be such a relevance this week? Yeah. I mean, certainly we've seen in the last, you know, the last week it was it was more relevant than somebody like Catlin. But you know, Catlin is a winner, and we know if he's up there, we'd be pretty confident he's going to stay there. Um, yeah, I mean, the thing the thing with Connor Syme is, you know, he's, he's last week he was what was he thirteenth off the tee. Um, Oh, he's in up 25th. Sorry. Why have I got 13th written down? I've got no idea. Um, <laughs> but his a green play. I mean, he's top 10, top 15, um, the vast majority of the time. He's going to give himself chances and chances. I'm amazed that last week he actually lost strokes to the field approaches. I, I mean, you guys watched it as well. If you'd, have, if you'd have pulled me off and said, has he got a negative figure approaches, I'd, I'd be amazed. Um, and yet, T to green, he was winning so much off the green, he actually gained seven T to green. So, um I love I love Connor Syme. I think he's absolutely awesome. I know he let us down. I think once or twice in Wales. Yeah. Um, but that proved again. You know, I think he he led in the uh, the Welsh Open. He led at the third round. Didn't didn't let us down. I think he was tied that tied eighth. I think. And then we went back in um, on the Celtic Classic. 
where again he led at the third round eventually finishing third didn't look particularly comfortable in front but he's learning and I like the fact that um, he left that behind one week and came again the next one uh, Max Kiefer who never wins also showed that from a disappointment you can bounce back the week after um, it's I'm not it's not the same course but it is isn't it really um, he's only got to go up the road isn't he just you know hop on a boat or something to get there um <laughs> You know, I, I just like him. I like his overall stats at, you know, at Kenya, South Africa, Valderrama, um, Amman. He, he, he doesn't mind wind. And like I say, I think if we take away that one hole, he would no way would he be 66 to one this week. I just don't believe it. And I'll tell you what, I'll tell you, I'll tell you now, if it had parred that, right, if it had parred that hole and still finished fifth, would he be 66 to one this week? No, of course he wouldn't. No. And, I, and I, think, I think the thing with him as well is that yes he's he's got into contention a few times and then flattered to deceive um but like you said he's learning he's only 25 years of age so it's not like a player that's 33 35 you know what they're all about they haven't got a victory on the european tour yet we're still learning what he can and can't do we're still seeing his best assets we know he's a good driver of the ball um i still think we're kind of i personally feel like i'm kind of yet to figure out maybe what the best test is for him i think he's quite well-rounded and can perform in different places um so i think that's quite promising for someone of his age that he's he's not sort of pigeonholed there's sort of there's players that we talk about all the time you said about grouping them that they can play three or four courses a year they circle them they have to perform there whereas i think he can turn up on any given week depending on what the, the form's like yeah again you know sorry sorry just very quickly he's 20 he's 21 points bigger than jeff winter I'll leave it at that. Sky, anything on kind of same? Yeah, I mean, I, I just talked about a golfer who who hasn't even found himself much in contention all that much, but I'm backing on a statistical profile at a shorter number. You know, where it, it truly the the probably the next two that I left off would have been you know Catlin and Seam in, in that standpoint, just from. The, the amount of times Connor has put himself in there. And of course that, that hole was difficult, but, but his bounce backs were great too. You know, yeah. he left a birdie on the, uh, on the edge on what 16 or se- I think 17 missed a four footer to, to run up four birdies in a row prior to that. Qua- you know what I mean? Like it wasn't something where he, he melted. He just, you know, obviously didn't, didn't play too well after you know paying into the rocks and that standpoint um but bounce back afterwards so yeah i think 66 was quite shocking yeah i completely agree jason my next couple of picks are in the, the hundreds one range and i think skies are too so you've got anything else before we get there um i, I i'm really worried that i'm actually going to agree with one of yours i don't know what it is but <laughs> I, I genuinely do um no actually if my next interests are are at the um three-figure stage yeah i'm gonna start us off and i think all three of us are going to be on him um <laughs> based on your the way you laughed when i mentioned the par three performance earlier <laughs> uh nino batasio uh at 100 to one um a couple of reasons i like but nino batasio first one being that he is fourth in par three scoring on the european tour having played 116 par threes uh the three in front of him have played 52 92 and 60 um, so he's well away to being the best par three player. Garrick Higo's another one behind him. Um, like Spain, he's ninth in strokes gain approach on the season. Um, 
you know, he just hits the ball incredibly well. Yes, we have kind of seen that he can struggle in contention, but he was seventh in approach last week, third two starts ago, 13th before that. He's very solid um, across the board in those areas. Tees green as well. Um, I just really like him. He's had a couple of decent performances in Spain, albeit at you know, similar to different types of events. Jason, but yeah, Nino Batasio, I'm hoping is a guy that you were thinking of as well. Yeah, I, yeah, I think you have to, don't you? I think once you're told there's that many, we, there is a danger that we overegg this pudding, to be yeah. honest with you, because I, I think Sky makes a fantastic point that, um, you know, when you're talking about 200 yard par threes, 240 yard par threes, if they actually they're not going to play that, you are talking about somebody decent with your approaches. It's not necessarily just a par three, is it? But no. like you, you know, as you rightly say, you know, his approach is seventh, third, thirteenth. Um, you know, his worst, his worst is in Qatar with thirty uh, when he was um, ranked thirty ninth, and he still finished top twenty. He can shoot low, sixty three uh, second round last week, sixty three in the final round in Kenya. Um, plenty of uh, mid sixty efforts in his last four or five tournaments. I don't know what there isn't to like about him at three figures, really. I think at Kenya he ranked. Um, overall ranked 10th and 12th at Qatar, ranked 90th. I, I just, yeah, I, I think 100 to 1 or, or bigger on Betfair, which he's bound to be. Because although a couple of people have put him up this week already, yeah. um, obviously based. The thing about the par threes, Tom, is it's not like he's not just coming. You know, like sometimes you, you get this season where somebody plays particularly well at a certain aspect. He was 12th overall with the par threes in 2020 as well. So this isn't a fluke. This is a par three effort that's been for whatever reason. Whether he just likes, you know, playing a playing a tee shot, you know, with an iron off a tee, I don't know. Yeah. Um, he, he, you know, it's consistent. This is over 15, 16 months now. I know he had lockdown, but it's it's a big enough sample to to really look at it. Um, yeah. Again, don't know what he's going to do, but 100 to one is far too big. Uh, and I like your point you make there to par threes. It isn't just, you know, we see some people and they and they have like these putting seasons where they put off the charts and it's not sustainable. He. He just must walk up to the tee on a par three sky and just absolutely love his chances. And, and that's going to happen six times this week per round. 24 chances of playing par threes, hopefully, as long as he makes a cut. Um, he's got his couple of top 11 finishes in Valderrama, albeit slightly different tests. He's played well in Qatar, which, you know, we talk about wind and resort courses as, as being a sort of pointer to that. Played well in Kenya a couple of times. Um, Portugal as well. Sky, anything to add on Nino Batasio? Yeah, I mean, four straight tournaments of, of gaining over a stroke per round with the Irons. You know, that's not something I think anybody in this field really has right now. You know, so that to me is is quite exceptional. I guess, well, who, I guess if you went to ball striking, so if you combined it, no, no, he's the only one. Never mind. The other guy just doesn't qualify. So, yeah, and then the price, par three, and he's actually pretty decently long off the tees. You know, if you stretch it out on the year, he's like top 30 distance, which, you know, is just another um, check mark. So, yeah, I, the the three bombs that I have here all file under the same category of strong with the irons recently, longer off the tee. Simple as that. My only slight hang-up, Jason, with Potassio is just that I don't really remember being in the hunt that often and it would kind of be slightly news. I mean, he's never obviously won um, on the you know Challenge or European Tour. He has won on the Alps Tour a couple of times in 2014. But 
Is that a slight concern of how he'll get on when he gets? I know he come. He, he lost a playoff in the challenge draw a couple of years ago, but is is that a slight worry of how he'll react if he gets there on Sunday? Yeah, of course it is. But you're on at hundred to one. Yeah. So you know you're, you're not. Yeah, do you know what I mean? Uh, so yeah, it's you know I, you can take this list and I'll probably worry about ninety-five percent of them <laughs> if they hit the front. But the fact is, he's hundred to one. If he hits the front, you can get out at. Well, it depends who's chasing. Uh, a single figure definitely on Betfair. So who cares? You know, um, you can't do that with like as I found last week with Horsfield, for example. Um, I think he drifted twenty-two, twenty-three on Betfair. So instead of backing him each way, I, you know, I didn't see there was any point in that. I backed him on Thingy, wanted to lay back, I think, 4.5, and he was just never close enough. But Tazio hasn't got to do a lot for you to make money. I mean, we say double your money at a quarter of the odds. He's got to get to 25, um, or actually he's going to be more because he's going to be 120, 140 on Betfair. Yeah. So he's going to have to get to 35 to 1 for you to double your money and still sit, sit there with a, uh, you know, a 35 to 1 free bet or whatever it is. Um, what do you want? You know, you've got the advantage. You've got the par threes. Get on. The other Hoygaard twin interests me this week. Um, just because I think, you know, last couple of weeks he's obviously performed well. I don't, you know, that's no secret. But he's been hitting the irons well. Ninth and 17th in strokes gain approach. Second and 7th in tee to green. Um, I don't know if there's anything at all in it. I just wonder if, like, with his brother being over in America, Sky, whether that just means that the pressure's off of him. He, he can just kind of get on with his own game. And he, he's done it at two different types of tests now. In Austria, he was 7th and then 15th last week and a, and a more of a, you know, birdie-type event. We've seen him come second to uh, Sergio Garcia in 2019. So he's been in the hunt. He chased him down as much as he could. Uh, you know, he's still very young-aged. You know, I think you're you're quite sweet on Hollywood as well. Yeah, he fits the mold of, you know, again, long off the tee, great irons, you know, great ball striking the previous two tournaments. And, yeah, I, I kind of like that angle. I actually think this is kind of interesting, too. I tracked very closely um, regarding Austin Batista getting into last week's tournament. Um, and I, I don't know why. I, I, I mean, I can't assume that he wouldn't have, but Hoygaard wasn't going to be in any of these events over here on the islands. Um, he got into last week with that top 10 finish or, you know, decided to play. He then got a sponsor's exemption into this week. So, you know, that to me is just showing how good his game feels right now, wants to keep it rolling. Um, and of course, you know, with his brother playing, yeah, I think it's pressure's done in one sense to really show up, but, and the other way, it's, you know, he's another golfer this week, Bill. Yeah. Jason, any thoughts on Nicolo Hoygaard at all? Um, no, you know, I think he's considered the the, the equal of, of Rasmus. Um, I, I don't have a particular view. Um, but, yeah, very interesting to see his progress. I think the thing for, for me is that kind of like, like you say there, he's considered very similar to his brother in the sense that when they first come out, I don't think there was a clear better one out of the two. There wasn't a classier player out of the two. And I think that if he can get anywhere near what his brother's done, uh, you know, he's going to be really impressive. And and I, I just I just thought that the ball striking's been there. He's done it on a similar test. He, he's played well, you know, on your in Europe before. I, I thought that was enough for me at 110 to one. So that's all that really uh, took for me. Jason, next up for you. Um, let's look down the list. I mean, there's a couple that I really, you know, wanted to look at. I mean, I'll I'll, I'll do my three and then and then I'll leave the floor clear. Um, for Skyler to give some 
knowledge to the whole <laughs> subject. Uh, Julian Guerrier, I thought was quite interesting. Fifth in par fives, tenth in eagles. Um, he's had seven eagles in 26 rounds. Um, my worry is that his irons are a bit pants, but it's whether that matters on such a big course with big with big greens. I mean, he wasn't fantastic. Um, a couple of courses, you know, equally with these greens. But I, I like the way he plays island courses. Um, tied third in Madeira, sixth in Sicily. Um, obviously tied eighth in Portugal that we always seem to bring up for most courses now um, with a bit of wind. Um, so he was of, he was of interest because he could. He's another one that could murder the par fives. Like we haven't mentioned Laurie Cantor, but um, similar to somebody like him could actually kill him. Um, but obviously he's a much much bigger price. Um, but the one that I'm gonna probably have a little bet in some way is um, Alejandro Del Rey um, who you might know more about Sky I mean you're 17th in the US Amateur um, and I think highest ranking of 32 in, in the World Amateur Rankings he could be absolutely anything he looks like an all or nothing player um, he's had obviously um, uh, experience on the uh, Alps Tour um, so he won't mind changing elevation for sure fourth to the mighty Matteo Manicero who's on his way back kids um, or old people who might remember him when he was good um, very very recently but he's, he, I think his average score on the par fives last week was 3.83 um, he had three eagles um, he's 11th in birdies um, I think he's had 35 in eight rounds, eight professional rounds he looks an absolute birdie machine, um, I've, I can't tell you much about him, I've had tried to have a look and I can't find that much but just on those stats on a, on a course that he's going to give up stupid scores um he's really of interest and 175 i think he is something like that um yeah we, we know so for example we know what the likes of um you know you like ashley chesters i know you do mm -hmm. but we know a lot of the likes of alexander levy who really should love a course like this um louis de jager again long hitter should love a course like this but we know what they're about i think jager's a bit big but del rey could be anything um and he could explode into the scene at any point. And as we always say, you've got to take 175 or 160, whatever it is now, um, because when he does explode onto the scene, you're going to be taking double figures and you won't get these prices. So he was one. He's the outsider of the week for me. Uh, Jason, <laughs> you're, uh, I, I, I can't let it go. I, I, he's he's one of mine, too. Is he um, really? <laughs> yeah, that's uh, 200s here in the States. Uh, that's kind of, you know, I, I almost... As a, as a bit in some senses, but the research of finding, you know, a long shot under the radar every week is something that I, you know, for a top 20, and of course, on the outright, you know, it was Batista the week before, Oscar Sanchez, you know, in the thousands last week who didn't pan out. But Del Rey, man, his game is intriguing. Not only, you know, was his par five scoring absolutely absurd, you know, the last week, um, but he did lead the field in distance prior Um and the one thing that, I mean, again, he went to Arizona State, um, you know, had a pretty solid, to your point, amateur career, snuck inside the top 40 there. And, again, you can't really pull too much, you know, without really knowing one course that, you know, is, is as finicky, I guess, that comes in the United States. If you guys remember when Trinity Forest was played, um, what, two or three years ago when yeah. wise one year that course is so wide open you could take it you know with the driver really do whatever you want there 
And one of his amateur career wins was at that course. He actually won by five there in college. Um, not, you know, the best of fields by any means, but again, you're, you're just sorting through things that you want to see. I saw enough in the par five and driving alone to have interests at 200. But the more you dive into his amateur career, what he's done on the Alps tour, you know, he did win, you know, on the Alps tour too, um, you know, last year. So yeah, and that was his second career Alps tour start, you know? So there's just something about these young kids, Arizona state, obviously probably a top, you know, 10 golf school out there in, in the u.s right now so yeah i'm really excited for him this week give give us your other name in this this area sky before we uh, we let jason finish off with his couple of picks yeah yeah the other one is just richard manzel um don't know all that much about him i know coley is on him back-to-back weeks um just somebody who you know had a quality challenge for you know um showing seems to continue to trend with the irons and is very long off the tee. You know, like I thought with, with Hoygaard, obviously the finishes are 28th and 56 compared to a seventh and a 15th. Like, uh, Hoygaard did, you know, I just think that Manzel has, you know, that, that same repertoire. And again, you know, we saw him on the Euro pro tour, I think in 19, really, really excellent. Um, you know, and just has taken off to a really good challenge tour um, and the limited appearances that he was able to have recently. So I think just just those two tick marks of, of bombs it and can get there with the irons is, is the last one to round out my card. Absolutely. Jason, give us your uh, your picks before we move on to the uh, Valspar Championship. No, just just, just a quick ones. Very sorry. Reece Enoch, I think, has to be mentioned. Um, I know he finished uh, 38th last week, but uh, he fell 31 places on the Sunday. Um, just because in a recent podcast interview, he mentioned that he's really going to want um, to off the tee. That's what he wants. Um, and if you look at his par five efforts last week, he birded the, he birded the fourth every single day and the 18th uh, eagle and two birdies. Um, again, last final round, it wasn't great coming home. Three bogeys um, for a 39 home. But he was up there in the top 10 after three rounds. He's got a similar, if not easier, course this week. And I can certainly see him doing something at some point. I mean, if he gets... Again, he, you know, he may well be worth having a look at for um, first-round leader or something like that because this is exactly what he wants. He's admitted it himself. So, yeah, bang on for him. Um, but my picks um, are Guido. Um, just to, to go on point about Del Rey, Skyler was on um, Guido at 151 continually. Now we've got to take 33. So you need to be on Delray. So Guido, 33 to 1. That's all going. 365 and now 25 to 1. Um, Siam 66. Uh, Nino Batazio, 100. Um, Alejandro Delray, <laughs> And I will look at Reese Enoch for something. Um, and yes, I regret not being on Crocker, Vermin, Higo, Catlin. So there we are. I'm going to go with Thorbjorn Olison, uh, Seam, Nino Batazio, and Nikolai Hoygaard. And for you, Sky? Uh, for me, we're, you know, with Guido, um, you know, this would light the world on fire if he was <laughs> able to win this week. Um, Veerman uh, and Crocker at 50s. Uh, Bertazio, Hoygaard, Manzil all on the low hundreds. And then Jason's guy together with Alejandro Del Rey at 200. 
Excellent. There's one name I want to mention here. As I, you know, I don't think there's a chance for him to win, but there's an 18-year-old turning pro here this week. Is Tom McKibben, uh, mentored by none other than Roy McIlroy. Comes from the same golf club. Has won an awful lot of stuff over in America. Um, junior Honda Classic. Um, one of the junior amateurs at Pinehurst. A couple of big events that you know that I just noticed when I was researching earlier that he's turning pro here this week. So. Um, he's played three events uh, in his young career and, and missed the cut in each, but he might just... Uh, he's, uh, he's 18 years old and turning pro, so he obviously fancies his chances a little bit. So we'll keep an eye out for his name in the future. Going over to the Valspar Championship, uh, we've only got Sky for a few more minutes, so I'll let him just give us the names that he likes, and then we can, Jason, dig into it a bit further. Um once Sky's uh, moved on from us. So Sky, if you give us some names that you like this week, we can uh, dissect them. Yeah, so I'm pretty intrigued at the top. Um, and, I, and I'm curious, you know, as, as the week goes on, you know, Patrick Reed is probably the one that I think of that pick of the litter, you know, 18s, if you can get him to the 20s, what he did at the Masters actually I thought was, was so impressive. And again, strokes gain statistics don't, um, you know, make its way out there to the public all that much from the masters. But from what I saw and kind of parsed through that seemed to be one of his better iron performances as of late in the, the around the green game kind of, you know, was his reason for not contending. So that I thought, um, you know, as somebody, if I, if I'm able to kind of skip the, the middle where a lot of the meat and potatoes could be made and end up with, you know, Reed and some long shots, I, I wouldn't be the most of surprised. Um, I'm curious, though, I, and I'm good for a few more minutes. Um, I'm curious what, what your guys' lean is at the top of the board there. Yeah, I mean, the, <laughs> Jason, I think you're desperate to talk about Corey Connors. Um, he's been in exceptional form. He ticks all the boxes. Uh, and he's now priced with all the favourites at 20s and 22s to 1. You have to listen to that. There's on Pat Mayo's Twitter feed. There was a two-minute clip of Corey Connors at 16 to 1, and 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 you know what? Connors is playing fantastic golf. He, he, he you know, he really is. Um, I mean, his figures are just phenomenal, aren't they? Tee, tee to green, ball striking off the tee, approaches, everything is just fantastic. Um, I, I, there's something about him when he gets putting, and I, I, I don't know. It's just when I'm when you're watching him, there's something totally unconvincing about it. Um, I don't know whether it's because he dribbles the ball to the hole. He, he doesn't. He doesn't seem to have authority over a putt. Now that could happen at any point, and if you're going to play your irons like he's playing them um, at any point, that you know that could that could do anything. I mean, did he was he leading last year here or? Oh, was he, yeah, he was in the top. He was in the top five, wasn't he? Yeah. Overnight, uh, 2018 on his debut. He's a completely different player now. Everybody was um, taking the mick, you know, about how he was finishing and how his short game was. But his short game has improved dramatically from where it was. You know, all they threw. I mean, that Arnold Palmer when he he threw away a lead, but he he didn't go away. He stuck to it. Um, the players he came back, um, and he's been impressive in the Masters and, and the Heritage. I mean, you know, we won money on him at the Masters. Um, he didn't go away, and, and there is that issue it, again. It's it's something in your head that how can Corey Connors be 
you'll, you'll hear it. How can Corey Connors be the same price as somebody like Patrick Reed in places with the pedigree and the winning mentality that somebody like Reed has, and especially around this course? But equally, you know that it's it's this is all about accuracy. This is all about you know strokes gained. This is all about um, it's all about having giving yourself your chances. And yet he's not on that certainly not on the Bermuda putting list, which you like to see, which, you know, others are, you know, um, you're going to mention somebody soon, uh, Copeback, who's got form in, in Wyndham, he's got the form at the RSM, he's got form at similar tracks. And we're asked to take 20 to 1 about a player that we just know isn't going to do it. And that's my problem. Um, so, there we are. That's, sorry, I've, I've stopped now. What's well, your Hatton, point? By the he... way, can't stand, can't stand Bermuda, so scrub him out straight away. He led for three rounds on his debut, yeah. and then and then shot the final round seventy seven. With that said, that he has won since then, and he's had four top eights in his last five starts. So, Sky, I don't know what your feelings are on Corey Connors, but I'm assuming they're similar in terms of price point based on what we know as you as a as a punter. Yeah, and and again, it's only I, I put myself in the situations to to bet these golfers at these numbers if. I'm very convicted, you know, on them one and two, the rest of my card ends up being, you know, pretty much filled beyond, you know, 80 to one. So, um, Corey Connors doesn't check those marks for me. Has he been playing exceptional? 100%. And, you know, again, that, that was, that was a good point bringing that back to that 18 debut where he really did burst onto the scene and, and there's nothing to pick apart, but, but the numbers. So, um, I mean, I guess nothing to pick apart. I guess you, you put them around Casey, you know, Reed, DJ, JT, I guess, you know, beyond that, maybe not as prolific winners, Hatton's deeper than them, you know, but, um, and, and Vic, of course, but yeah, it's just, if, if someone's getting my money 18 to one, you know, it's absolutely going to be Patrick Reed before I bet Corey Connors. What what can I just ask, what price would you put Colin Morikawa in this field? Well, you'd you'd have to, I think, at, at one he'd probably get a course benefit bump. I think mm-hmm. of somebody that would fit in here. I mean, he'd, I think, very well be a little bit shorter than Connors potentially. I guess he didn't play as good in the recent form. I would think if he was twenty to one in this field, I would bet Morikawa. So just maybe a little bit shorter than that. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> Paul Casey's a two-time course winner, by the way, and he's exactly the same price. And he's flying as well. And he's playing Actually. unbelievable golf. So yeah. that, that that's all I would say about that. And I don't even particularly like Paul Casey. I think he's let me down a couple of times. But I'll, I'll go on to Co-Crack, who I do like. And, and this was it was this course, and it was always a genesis where I felt that, like Riviera, where I felt that he could break through. He didn't. He continually kept to lit down. And then he finally goes and wins that CJ Cup. And since then, he's been, you know, putting into some mixed form. But he had that little stretch at the workday, Arnold Palmer and players where he had three top nine finishes. Um, I think a lot of people expect him to go out at the Masters, and, and he didn't. He seems a bit in and out at the moment. But just coming around this golf course where he plays uh, some excellent golf, it's, it's right in sort of his wheelhouse, what he loves to do. Um, Jason, I thought Kokrak was, was a reasonable pick. I mean, I know the value's not excellent but 14th 7th 8th and 2nd here he's uh he's probably earned it yeah i think you were never going to get anything big on him that's that's the problem isn't it yeah. i mean to go back to morikawa i was all over morikawa this week if he'd have played and i never say that 
But anyway, um, he's not playing, so who cares? Right, um, Kokrak, yeah, they're currently ranking eighth in strokes gained putting. Um, and yet, you look at his performances, again, at Wyndham and the RSM, which are correlative courses. You know, he absolutely, you know, he's got performances there. I, I can't argue with you. You know, greens in regs, scrambling, um, if he misses it. I just can't believe that Kokrak is this good. This, this is my own, again, I, I don't know. I just, but he turns up here and um, therefore he looks he looks reasonably solid. Um, 33 is, is on the limit though, isn't it, really, yeah. I think. He's had plenty of chances to win. Um, I know he did it well last year. Um, that, that's my only worry. It, it's purely price-based, but all, all the facts and figures, you just can't see. I don't, there's something about him. I, I can't see him winning um, if he gets somebody big behind him. Um, but that's, you know, that's just me. Um, otherwise, yeah, everything stacks up for him to have a fantastic tournament. I won't worry about the match play. That's suits some doesn't suit others does it and the masters is the masters um but he's had enough time to to get over that he was 10th actually putting over there at Augusta anyway and now he goes back to a place that he loves yeah if he, if he continues in it with his iron play um he's got to be there isn't he i just i just worry about his winning ability but you know, whether a top 10 would pay off better than an each way bet on him because i think you're only chasing the place yeah no i get that completely I find this a really hard event to get right because you get a mix of winners here. I mean, you've got Paul Casey the last two years, but he beat Patrick Reed, Tiger Woods, Ustase and Kokrak. You know, three of the four of those are major players, major champions. Adam Hadwin beat Patrick Cantlay 2017. Charles Schwartz, the Masters winner, beat Bill Haas, who's won a Phillips Cup. You then had Jordan Spieth beat Patrick Reed and Sean O'Hare in a playoff. Then you had John Senden win, which is a bit of a arbitrary as was Kevin Strillman and then you've got Luke Donald who won when he was chasing world number one so you generally tend to get a real top class obviously an excellent ball striker because of the course demands so looking at that winner's list and the people that came second when you know the odd person win do, do you think you kind of have to not get suckered into these big prices because it looks like it does go to the head of market because of what is required because it always seems to be a tight event there's always only one or two strokes in it, playoffs, and and it looks like a course where it's so claustrophobic at times that you just have to have that that kind of bottle, that right down the stretch with those irons <coughs> to, to really get it done. Jason, is it is it really worth going much further down the field? Excuse me, sorry. His, I it's a forecast of, uh, <laughs> of my dinner going down the wrong way when I eventually have it. Um, yeah, I agree with you. But equally, you do get Adam Hadwin, you know, coming on the scene. Um it's all about it's all about approach play isn't it i mean hadwin's got some fantastic plus figures even when he was down there in 20th or whatever he was in 2018 um he's got some great figures Finau obviously would have them as well casey's got them <coughs> you've got to go here with confidence in your irons haven't you so i don't know i mean i looked at people like russell henley um but then i think 30 or one he never you know he just doesn't win enough for, for 30 or one you know griot's gonna you know gonna hit greens but again just simply doesn't win. I found it quite difficult. I, I was, I, I went back to Abram Answer, believe it or not, that I think is another one of Sky's uh, regular haunts with uh, with Mayo. Um, but 33 to one again. What's the, where's the win equity on somebody like him? I just found it really difficult. I, I, you know, for me, I may well look at this as a top 10, top 20 tournament. 
I just can't pick, um, you know, amongst those that are sort of, if you like, 50 to one and below. Because I think there's a few there that are, that look like they will have a chance of winning. But which one? I, I just can't. I just don't know. You mentioned Adam Hadwin, and he's come back to a bit of form of late. He's been brilliant around the greens, which is perfect for here. Obviously, a course winner has had a couple of other decent events, so I thought he was interesting at 100 to 1, 90 to 1, similar sort of prices. Uh, I like Denny McCarthy. He's in brilliant form, was ninth here on debut. Um, and Sky, I know you're interested in one of our European Tour regulars as well at a bigger price. Yeah, I mean, Horsefield arguably, I think, has taken potentially the biggest leap, in my opinion, just from, you know, what he was in the last eight, you know, basically pre-COVID to post-COVID. Somebody who would just light it up with birdies, who could show the, shoot the lowest round of the day, you know, out of anywhere, to arguably, you know, a top three to five player every single time he, he tees it up on the European Tour. And, you know, eighth, third, 15th, fourth, last four times out since the injury. Uh, do I think it's the best course fit with the way you know, his profile is no. Um, but you know, he, he's as deep as 150 to one, you know, you get that with each way with some places. Uh, I'm in on that. And then the other, you know, I guess European tour sense player, but you know, is now playing on the, the corn Ferry. Uh, Peter Uline has my interest too. You know, he wins two weeks ago on the corn Ferry. him and Warinsky lighted up an alternate shot. Uh, both of those days to finish third last week, arguably should have won. Uh, the tournament with their alternate shot performances. Um, so, you know, I think both of those guys uh, provide a lot of intrigue, but I, I mean, Horsefield, maybe like, like a first round leader type of type of guy. I mean, it's a lot of travel to come over and do, but I, I'm excited for both those guys this week. I think the good thing, the, the, the positive thing about Horsefield is that, okay, it might be a slightly different track and, but he's played well at Bay Hill and, you know, he's played well in the quality of field. He, we've seen him do it on the PGA tour. It's not like it's going to be a complete unknown to him. You know, he spent the majority of his life in America, so it's not it's not somewhere that he's going to be overwhelmed by. It's, it's a stage that he clearly feels he belongs at. So I just, you, you talked about the Q&A earlier, he kind of said, you know, how do you deal with nerves? And he kind of said, well, I, don't, I just hit so many golf balls, I don't really get, it's about dealing with the nerves before you go into the round, as opposed to what happens on the course. And I think that's a really good mindset, and it's kind of what led to him improving. He mentioned as well about his life sort of changing off the course, uh, in recent months that, that really made this big change as well. And and he did answer, actually, my question to him on that Q&A was, have you played this course before? You know, he went to Florida, he's, he's better, and he has played in this brook. So, um, you know, a feather in the cap, I guess, a little a little bit too. Absolutely. Um, Jason, any other picks that you've got in this event? Uh, Sam Burns. There you go. Uh, I Florida was, angle uh, or just 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 what yeah yeah I mean I mean no I mean what you know I looked at, at taking the Wyndham and the RSM as as relative courses he's got 13th at Wyndham RSM in 2018 when when he was you know rookie in effect uh, 72 65 67 66 Randy he's got uh, 30th and 12th place finish again final rounds of 74 and 73 would have knocked him back um, he's getting more experience in top class events obviously led genesis for three rounds looked like he was going to fall out of the frame and, and kept on um led at houston where he eventually finished seventh and houston does appear in um some of the lists um he was top 20 in the desert classic in 2019 which actually appears in, in an awful lot of um 
the leaderboards uh, over the past three years. Um, for me, I felt that um, I think he's a player going places. I'm not saying he's the most likable player, and I can't can't think why. He just you know doesn't do it for me. But uh, purely on the figures and, and on an ability, um, I, I think he can make a show here. He's obviously a very good Bermuda. Um, I think on um, the fantasy golf thing, I think he's leading uh, Bermuda uh, data versus strokes gain total um, in terms of putting. So um, he's up there with somebody I know that, that Skyler's going to mention soon, who played well over the weekend. Um, Sabatini, who's got form at all these three courses. Um, so, yeah. Sam Burns, 70 at one. I'm happy to take a chance. Do I think he'll win? No. Do I think he can get top eight? Yeah. Sky, close us out with that name that we uh, that Jason's referencing there before uh, before we end the show. Killer Keith Mitchell. Um, rocking the visor these days. Um, and back in Florida where obviously his win was, Bermuda specialist. Um, but he carried that team. Uh, if you look through just kind of what he did from an alternate shot standpoint on Sunday. He was the one setting them up for birdies. I think it included like three approaches inside of like 10 feet to give them like a three birdie, you know, opportunity in a row. Um, on the Saturday, had a stretch of two eagles in a row, both by him. And again, it, it, it's I'm parsing through a little bit of data, you know, here and there for, for what you see, but you know, again, it's just more Florida, Bermuda, a little bit of trend, played the best he has in quite some time at Valero, um, too. So so that was good to see, you know, his best tee to green numbers in a little bit, um, you know, keeps that off the tee, which, you know, again, he's not going to be able to bomb and gouge here. But, you know, his irons were positive, you know, last time out. And I think last week would have proven to be a really, really good week uh, to pair up with that. So. Um, him and probably I think Doug Gim is just another one that ultimately it just it seems at some point or another that it's just going to, you know, come through on a Sunday. He found himself in back to back final groups, you know, pretty much, um, you know, at the players playing with Justin Thomas like that. That is a huge stage and his ball striking has to turn at some point into, you know, in each way. So those would be the, the other two that I really, really like in the in the deeper odds. Yeah, I think we, we kind of deliberately gave this event slightly less, well, a lot less time on the podcast just because I think it is a hard event to get right. I think that someone like Justin Rose after, um, you know, months of people thinking he's not gone at the game but certainly passed his best and he, he showed up for a lot of time at Augusta. I thought 40-1 to one of his, his track record was decent. Uh, Taylor Gooch was a name that caught my eye a little bit but couldn't really get there. JT Poston plays, obviously, uh, the Wyndham, he's won. He's, he's played well here in the past with a full team. So there's guys that are there. I just, I couldn't really get excited about a bet other than than, than Kokrak, which, again, is, when I say excited, it, it's something that I thought was decent value. Chris Kirk, a name that I keep bringing up. So there's some names there. Um, let's round up our picks. Jason for the Valspar Championship. Uh, I can't. I just can't back uh, Jason Kokrak and Connors at the prices. So um, it's going to be just flyers, really. Sam Burns, I'm quite keen on. Uh, Keith Mitchell, yes. And I am going to look to see if I can get a reasonable price top 20 about Rory Sabatini. Nice, believe nice. it or not. I like it. I'm going to go with Kokrak. I'm going to go with Rose, and I am also going to give uh, Denny McCarthy the, the hope that he's going to uh, kick on from here. 
Sky round up those picks for us? Yeah, for me, it ends up being, I, I think, you know, to look for that best uh, Patrick Reed number. I think I'm pretty intrigued at him at 20s. And then Gim, um, what the Gim, Gim Reaper probably ends up being <laughs> right about 100. Um, I think it's the best outright that I've seen, 110 on 365. Keith Mitchell uh, is 200s. And then the Horsefield and Uline pairing will probably end up kind of being my five uh, for the week at the Valspar. Absolutely. Well, guys, thank you very much for, uh, for coming on, Sky. Thank you for joining us. Jason, thank you as ever. Um, we roll on to next week and we'll uh, we'll call it a day there unless anyone's got any other things to mention before we go no I'm all done except I've I've got the big one for the uh, sporting life next week at Tenerife so please read it people because it doesn't make me any more money but it makes me look better it means he, it means he gets invited to do it again on, <laughs> on weeks where someone else isn't available so that's always good <laughs> um, Sky thank well, you thank you for... and I want to say thank you boys for having me you know always have a blast uh, with you guys appreciate your work and your insight so uh excited to be back on yeah Thanks, sky I'll, I'll see you in uh you know what half an hour or so and uh <laughs> yeah we'll uh we'll, we'll catch up then go guido <laughs> go guido. guido party no guido no party right <laughs> off we go cheers guys <laughs>